1 Corinthians 2. We're going to be looking mainly at verse 13 this morning, um, but uh, we're going to be we're going to read verse 9 and following to get the context and just kind of get back into uh, what's happening here in the passage. Verse 9, 1 Corinthians 2, 9. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man, which is in him. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now we'll get the spiritual things with spiritual next time. But we'll just, again, kind of get back into it here. Uh, Paul, again here, dealing with the issue at Corinth, which is they are following after, they're valuing, they're adopting human viewpoint over God's viewpoint, human wisdom over God's wisdom. They're, they're founding their search for truth, for answers, all on human wisdom, the wisdom of this world. And again, verse 13, which things also we speak in the, uh, not in the words which man speak. There's a words, there's a system of words that demonstrates, it advocates, it promotes the way the world operates, the way the world thinks. That's in verse 11 there when he says, for what man knoweth the things of, of, of a man save the spirit of man which is in him. Verse 12, now we received, we have received not the spirit of the world. That issue of spirit, that's the issue of thinking, uh, attitude, perspective. It, it isn't a spooky ghost thing, you know, Casper the ghost or, or here's Shaggy and the guy's catching the ghost and it's, you know, Mr. Whipple with the hat on or something stupid like that. It isn't the hokey stuff. It's actually the way the world operates, the the way the world thinks and what the Corinthians are doing is that they are uh, on the quest for truth, for knowledge, for wisdom. And they are after it in, an inappropriate, in, 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 a, in a wrong manner. They're going after wisdom in, 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 a, in, a, in an inappropriate, they're, they're saying the only true source of wisdom and understanding is over here in human view, wisdom, human viewpoint. And what Paul does, verse 9, but as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. That's not the ear gate, the eye gate. And the heart gate, the eye gate, imperialism, the scientific matter, i got to see it. If I can see it, then it's true. The ear gate, that's secondhand information. That's grandma taught us. That's, I, go to, I, I believe that because I went to this church, see, and now I'm going based off of secondhand information. The eye gate is, is unreliable, because your eyes play tricks on you. you. You can't always be, you know, it always looks one way. And, and you understand that. It's un, but the ear gate is more unreliable. 
It's, it's the next, it's, it's, it's the least reliable because now I'm going based off of what somebody else says, what somebody else thinks. And then the heart, Jeremiah 17, the heart's desperately wicked. You're, you don't know your own heart. And that is the most unreliable. And that heart is your intuition. It, I, I believe this because it makes me feel good. Well, your feelings are, are, are fickle. You know, if you watch football or anything, you know, here, one minute you're good and the next minute you're not. Last night, I, I can't believe the Detroit Lions won their division. So I watched them last night play the Dallas Cowboys. And at the end of the game, two-point conversion, they made it. Everybody's elite. And then the refs throw the flag and the guy didn't report. The lineman didn't report. He did everything right. So what is your emotion? One minute up and the next minute down. Because I was like, yeah, look at that. They beat Dallas. And then I was like, well, man, you gotta, Dallas gets all the breaks. I don't be doing that over there now, you know. It's just something. But that's your emotions. Up one minute, down the next. Up. Dallas won. Dallas won. They, they took the two-point conversion away from them. Yeah, but they missed. They failed. Yeah. Yeah. What's that? No. So anyway, so that's your, that's your heart. That's your emotion. That's your intuition. All of these are unreliable ways to ascertain truth. Yet what the Corinthians are using them. They're, we, man, the church today uses these three avenues to gain a higher level of spiritual understanding. And yet, what did Paul just say? God doesn't work that way. He's, not work, he's never worked that way. God doesn't use these avenues. The end of verse 9, the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. By the way, always read verse 10. But God hath, what? Revealed them. He didn't just keep them... Man and man's effort and energy tries to get there, can't get there, you have to come how? God's way. Because he has revealed them unto us, verse 10, by his spirit. God has chosen to reveal the things, his wisdom to humanity, but he's doing it outside of humanity. He's using the Holy Spirit. Verse 13, when we get down there, he's going to use words specific words to reveal the deep things of God. Again, he has revealed himself. He's made himself known. He's going to use the Holy Spirit to do it. And, that, and again, the, the question, how has God chosen to reveal himself? How has God chosen to make himself known? And by the way, and knowable. Because humanity, you talk to anybody out there that anything spiritual on their mind, and they will tell you, you can't know God. They'll tell you that. You can't know there's a heaven. You can't know, and yet God's word says what? There is, there is, there is. See, that faith, that issue of faith, that formula for faith, we all have faith. I had faith that Detroit would beat Dallas, and I was crumbled. You know, not really. 
I'm, a, I'm from Chicago. We don't like Detroit anyway. I was just impressed that they were 11 and whatever they are now, five, four or five. Yeah, 11 and five. I'm like, wow, okay. But see, the thing is, is your faith, faith the object of your faith is, what's, is where the value lies. And when God says that, and we believe what God says, now we're in the right arena. Uh, come over to Ephesians chapter 1. You see, God... He has chosen to reveal himself. He's chosen to make himself known and knowable. And by the way, he delights in doing so. He delights in making himself known. Ephesians 1, verse number 8, wherein he, and that's God, the Father, hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Notice, he, here's God the Father, and he's what? He's abounded toward us, verse 8, in how much wisdom? All of it. How much prudence? All of it. How much knowledge? All of it. He doesn't hold anything back. He's revealed it all now. There's this super flow of information now. The, the great illustration is Niagara Falls. Does a little drop of water go over Niagara Falls, or is it a super flow of water? It's a super flow, see. Well, that's God uh, revealing the information. It's a super flow. He's not holding anything back. In, in Acts 20, in verse 20, he tells the elders at Ephesus there, he says, I held nothing back. The good stuff, I held nothing back from you. I let you have it all. And that's, that is the issue. Verse 9, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he has purposed in himself. By the way, the mystery of his will is verse 10 that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. That ultimate, that rich, full glory plan that the Father has for the earth through the nation of Israel and her kingdom doing her, and then in the heavenly, in the heavens, through the church, the body of Christ, in their position and carrying out their pro, our program. And what do we have? It's all been revealed now. Now, he kept some stuff secret, but now with Paul, what has he done? He's revealed it all. So when you come back to 1 Corinthians 2, when you think about this, if you don't know what God's doing today, you cannot blame God. Because what has God done? He's revealed it all. He's abounded toward us in all prudence, in all wisdom, in all knowledge. He's given everything. He doesn't have a hidden chapter over here anymore. He did. He doesn't any longer. You see, he's revealed it all to us, and he's given us a source of revelation. And that's why, verse 13, how has God chosen to do this? And by the way, why then is God's way more dependable than 2-9, man's way, the, ear, the eye, the ear, and the heart. Well, verse 13, 
which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Paul is now going to demonstrate to us how God has chosen. He chose to reveal all of it, to make himself known and knowable and approachable, and that the very fact in how God chose to do it is more dependable, more sure than man's way, which is the I, get, I got to see it to believe it, I got to hear it to believe it, and I got to feel it. It's got to make me feel good. See, Paul says God doesn't work that way. He's going to work over here in words, which the Holy Ghost teacheth. He's going to use words to reveal, and that's a far more dependable manner than the way, by the way, the wisdom of work. Not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth. Just remind yourself, come back to chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians. Chapter 1. In verse uh, 19. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of the this world. Man does use wisdom of words. Back up in verse 17, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Uh, man, man does have a system of information, a wisdom of, of words, a wisdom of the world that advances a false narrative of how to figure God out. How do you figure God out? Well, man's way, I got to see it, I got to hear him, I got I to have all this, you know, s- subjection. You're subject to you, and yet you're, you, but what have you learned? You're fallible, you're, you can't be trusted. Uh, Jeremiah 17, that verse about your heart, you, you look, look over there at Jeremiah 17. 17 verse 9. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Verse 10. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing. You come to the Word of God with a hidden agenda. That hidden agenda will pop up and will, you will find verses all through God's Word to support it. And then you will find verses all through God's Word that destroys it. What do you want? I'll give it to you. The problem is, is you're not going to like the end result, which is going to be... By the way, that's Hebrews 4. If you come who Desperately wicked, who can know it? Look at Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4. These verses ought to be written down next to each other. Verse 12. Hebrews 4 and verse 12. Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and the marrow, 
So the Word of God can cut you up. The only way for you to understand a difference between your soul and your spirit and your body, the three components, is the Word of God. But keep reading that verse. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Who can know your, who knows you? Who knows your heart? The Word of God does. And it reads you. When you read it, it reads you. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. By the way, verse 13, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open under the eyes of him which whom we have to do. You can't hide anything from God. He's, he's got you pegged. And you can try, you can hide it from me, you can hide it from others, but you can never hide it from Come back to 1 Corinthians 2, the Word of God and from God Himself, because the Word and God are going to be the same, interchangeable. So when you come back to 2.13 here, God, Paul now is going to focus in on the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit today in the age of grace. And he's really going to focus in on the part of the Holy Spirit's ministry that is the teaching ministry. If you look at verse 13, which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, that's 2.9, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. And he's going to teach by comparing some spiritual things, by making a comparison between, by the way, notice it says spiritual things with spiritual. When we get, Paul is going to begin to move now in verse 14 to the natural man Verse 15, to the spiritual. You see that spiritual? So the thing, so here's the, th- the deep things of God, the things that God has freely given to us, and who's going to take those on? The spiritual guy is. Because the natural man, you see, Paul's going to make a move here. We'll, we'll get into this next week, okay? i got to get into the first part of this verse, all right? So don't say compare spiritual things with spiritual things, because the verse doesn't say that. See, it says spiritual things with spiritual. Now, I've tempted you for next week, okay? I've teased you, not tempted you, teased you, all right? Verse uh, verse 12, but the natural man, I'm sorry, verse 13, which things, all comparing spiritual with spiritual. Look back up at verse 12. Now, we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit which is of God. We talked about that last time. You see, we enjoy a spirit which is of God. This is not the Holy Spirit. We, are, we get him the moment we trust Christ, Ephesians 1.13, we're sealed with him. But this is a spirit in the way that he's been using it in verse 10, 11, and 12 of thinking, attitude, perspective. Here's the way God thinks about this. We have a spirit which is of God. The natural man, verse 9, the I gate, the ear gate, the heart gate, verse 14, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. This is, I, to, I told you, I said this last time, this is much more than you being saved and not saved and old man and new man. This is how the Holy Spirit works in your life. The natural man, he's got to see it, he's got to hear it, he, to believe it. He's got a system of information that produces the very things that Paul says 
It's how the world thinks. The world thinks a whole lot of things that are in complete and total opposition to God's word. And Paul says, that's them over there. The way you think, the spirit which is of God. The way youth are to think, your attitude, your frame of reference, your perspective is this. The natural man thinks a certain way, the spirit of the world. He's influenced by a system of words that come from the natural means of the eye gate, the ear gate, the heart. They have language that those three gates use. It made me feel good. That's a heart thing, but that's a language of man. The eye gate. I saw it, therefore it happened. It's true. Little, you know, you don't tell anybody you had a few too many the night before. See? Okay. And those words begin to get used. Paul says God doesn't operate that way. So there's a contrast here, verse 10, but God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. You see, there's God has revealed them. The end of verse 12, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. How do we know with absolute assurance and confidence, how do we know this? Well, God uses the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to use words to teach the deep things of God. And that's how God reveals himself, and that's how he reveals all things he freely has given to us. He makes them known. He's going to use words. And the words that the Holy Spirit uses produces a spirit which is of God, a way of thinking. I mean, you think about this. I tell, I've told you all year, and I'll tell you all year again, read three chapters a day, Romans to Philemon. What begins to happen as you, you read three chapters a day, 28 days you've read through Paul's epistles. You do that 12 times, once a month. It, don't study, don't run verses, don't run, just read, and instantly your thinking changes. Because the Word of God works effectually in you that believe. You take the sound doctrine and you believe it and you begin to you take that form of sound words, life-giving words, and you begin to, it begins to produce in you a spirit which is of God, a way of thinking. And what we do is we begin to think like God would think about circumstances. By the way, and how you how you think about how God would think if he, if, in your case, okay? You're not going to come and pull this, now we're up in here in ivory towers and nobody can talk to us because we're holier than thou. It's not that at all. That's not how God thinks. God, in your personality, in who you are, here's how God would think in your skin, if you will, in your life. And the spirit which is of, again, we begin to apply to life God's viewpoint we begin to apply God's word to the details of our lives, and we begin to produce a godly frame of reference. And the spirit which is of God is the natural byproduct, the natural result of taking in the words that the Holy Spirit uses to teach, to reveal, 
to educate. And that's what he's doing in verse 13. The Holy Spirit is the agent, is the vehicle, and he's going to use specific words to teach. And the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer has everything to do with the communication and the revelation that God has given to us through the Apostle Paul as he completes the Word of God. Once the Word of God is completed, then now we're going to use those words and we're going to educate. It's interesting here, come over to 2 Peter chapter 1. God, through Paul, is informing not only the believer, but really the world, the unsaved world. Here is God. I'm going to tell you about what I'm doing. I'm going to tell you about who I am. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to maintain the integrity of some words that I'm going to breathe as inspiration. And I'm going to cause those words to be written down on paper. There's preservation. And that's a far more reliable way to know God than the natural means of the eye gate, ear gate, and heart gate. Because who is in charge of keeping those words? God is. See. Now, again, he 1,400 years, 1,500 years, over 40 authors and so forth, and, it take, and he does it. And in the preservation aspect of it, because we're going to look here at, at this, this, he uses people to do it. In the nation of Israel, it was the tribe of Levi. It was their job, the priest's tribe to maintain the, the word of God, to make copies for the king, to make copies for the, the nation of Israel, make copies for anyone who asks. Today in the age of grace, it falls to the Bible believer, to you and I in the church today to do it. Okay? And in the English language, it's in a King James Bible. Okay? And the reason you know that is because when you take in English, the Bible's out there and you line them up, who protects the integrity of God? The only one is the King James Bible. All the other ones don't do that. They all attack it. They all change things and add and subtract. When my parents were here this past week. I got a great little Christmas gift of a book like that. <laughs> on the numerology and, what, and how through the numerology through Scripture. And the, and the guy takes all the different Scriptures out there and he plug, and does the numerology and he uses the seven, the, the perfect, per, perfect number. And it's, it's fascinating. And you know what? All of the Bibles on the market fail except for one, and that's a King James Bible. So it's like, well, okay, maybe we ought to pay attention. Okay, you got Second Peter one because what Paul's going to do. Uh, uh, by the way, a written text that we all have access to is far more reliable than what I think because it's different than what you think, and what you think is different from what others think. So now, who do we who do we say is right in the thought? Whose thought is right? Well, my thought's right. Well, no, mine, now we've got, see, it's unreliable. A written text that we all have access to is far more reliable 
because now we can come here and say, okay, what does the text say? Folks, you and I, we're a, peop we're a people of a book. And don't let the theologians tell you you're not, because you are. Man instinctively built into man is, is a desire to know and to search and to look for. And God says, I've made myself known right here on the pages of a book. How do we know that Isaiah said this or Moses said that or Noah did this or Jude says this or Enoch says, how do we? Because we have a book that recorded all of that. See, well, but Rick, some of those, no, it's not a some of those are stories and all. No, it's not. See. 2 Peter chapter 1, Paul is going to give us now here in, in 1 Corinthians 2 the role of the Holy Spirit and the words which God is revealing. And we find that they've been given to us in a book. God tells Moses, write it, write out the, the Torah, put it in a book. Isaiah, write this judgment down and I'll put it in a book for, so they can have it forever. Forever is a long time. Jeremiah, he writes out Jeremiah. And the old king takes a knife to it and cuts it up and burns it away. And God says, that's okay, Jeremiah. Rewrite what I told you and then add these words to it. And you know what? He didn't miss a word in any of it. By the way, the originals are not the issue. You know how you know that? Moses in the, in the Ten Commandments. What did Moses do when he came down with the first set of ten, the originals? He broke them. God calls him back up and rewrite it. He didn't miss a letter, didn't miss anything. He writes it the way it is. And that's the, actually the, the set that went into the Ark of the Covenant originally, was the copy of the original. Translating is not a problem for God. I know what man says. I know what the theologian says, but it's not. Because here's God talking to, talking to Moses. Now think about this. Here's God talking to Moses. You go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Now what language does Pharaoh speak? Egyptian. And actually, Pharaoh spoke all the known languages of the day because he was the top dog. Okay, But so did Moses. So here's God talking to Moses, burning bush. Let, we'll just call it Hebrew. He comes over here to Pharaoh and talks to him, and we'll just call it e Egyptian. And you know what? He didn't miss a beat. No loss in translation at all. He does it with Daniel. He does it with Paul. You guys are looking at me like I'm nuts. I'm way off my notes, but come over to Acts. Come to Acts. Hold on to it. Hold on to it. Look at Acts chapter 22. Hold on to it. Just hold on. Bend it back. We're, we're going to get there. Look at Acts 21. Acts 22. Sorry, Acts 22, verse 1. I, you th I mean, I know what the critics say. Oh, you, the translation, this and that. That's a bunch of hogwash. It's not a problem when the translating that's being done is done appropriately. And by believers, see, when the, when the NIV committee met in the very beginning, when a, half of the people on the committee were jailbirds, con artists, 
we got an issue there now, see. Look at Acts 22, verse 1. Men, brethren, fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make now unto you. This is Paul talking to the leaders of Israel. And when they heard that he spoke in the Hebrew tongue, to them they kept the more silence, and he saith. Now, 2140, the end of the verse, he spake unto them in Hebrew tongue, saying, now, let me ask you something. When Luke wrote Acts, what language did he write it in? Greek. Paul spoke in what? Hebrew. You're reading it in English, and you haven't missed a word. Paul speaks in Hebrew. Luke hears it, writes it in Greek. And then the translators come along, and they move it from the Greek. But it started in Hebrew, see. So don't let, now come to 2 Peter 1. Don't let the translator, don't let the theology out, don't let, no. You, you don't speak Greek and you don't speak Hebrew. You know how I know? You just don't. You speak English. Now, if it's your nationality or, okay, that's different. But you don't, the majority of us don't speak either. So you have to rely on who to tell you what it means. Me. And guess what? I don't speak it, and I have a hard enough time with Google Translate. See, I got a Chicago drawl and an Alabama wish and a desert swang, you know. No, I uh-uh, see. But I have it in English. That's my language. If, if, it's in, if you have a different language, you have to go find it in your language. That's, that's what the Bible believer does, goes and finds it. Second Peter 1, I get off all that. Verse 20, so what Paul's going to do is here's the role of the Holy Spirit and the words which God has used to reveal who he is. We're going to find them in a book. 2 Peter 1.20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. Scripture, the Holy Script, the, that which is written, the script, the, the writings, okay? The prophecy of the Scripture, the writings, verse 21, for the prophecy, the prophecy of what? Of Scripture, verse 20, came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The holy men, okay, all the guys writing back there, I think about the, the men of Hezekiah. The, the, those guys went out and gathered up the Psalms, the book of Psalms, collated it and put it all together. They're moved by the Holy Ghost. Scriptures that contain prophecy, and God uses man, men to communicate those specific words, by the way, through speaking. Then the Holy Spirit comes in as he's communicated that information. Then he moves men to communicate, to speak it, and then to write it down. The information, the prophecy, the, the, the speaking, they speak it, then he wrote it down. How do we know? Come, come back to 2 Samuel. How do we know what David said? Look at 2 Samuel 23. How do we know what Isaiah said? How do we know uh, 2 Samuel 23? How, how do we know what Noah said? How do we know? Because God caused, the Holy Spirit caused it to be what? Written down. 
You see, inspiration, God breathed. The writer of the scripture is God, the Godhead, actually. And then the Godhead, but the vehicle, the agent being used is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes over here and get and he causes the men to write it down. 2 Samuel 23, verse 1. Now these be the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, said, and the man who was raised up on high, the, the anointed of God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel said, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. Notice what David said. He's the sweet psalmist. If we want to read what David said, then where do we got to go? We got to go to the book of Psalms, don't we? See. But notice what he said in verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord, there's the Holy Spirit, spake by me and his word was where? In my tongue. You know what David's saying? I spoke, I said things, and you know what? I, we wrote some things down in the book of Psalms, and you know whose words they really are? The Holy Ghost. They're God's words. They belong to him. That's who they belong to. Come over to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew 10. John 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, capital W, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, verse 14, and the Word was made flesh. The Word, the title of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 10, I'm sorry. Matthew 10, I didn't say it 10 times. Matthew 10, look at verse 20. Here is the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 10, here is the, the, the commissioning of the 12 apostles. As he lays this out, he says to them, For it is not yet ye that speak. Early Acts period, he's telling them what's coming to them in the early Acts period. He says, listen guys, it's not you doing the speaking. But the Spirit of your Father which speaketh, in you. Isn't that interesting? How's the Holy Spirit going to speak here? He's going to use the 12 and he's going to speak through them. He's going to communicate specific words to the 12 apostles who are then going to turn and communicate those very words to the nation of Israel and the offer of the, of the kingdom to them and then to the little flock to get them prepared to go through the the 70th week of Daniel in the tribulation and over into the kingdom. They're gonna, he's using the men to do it. Come over to Acts chapter 1. Watch Peter do it. Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, the Lord is ascended. Verse 10 and 11 and 12 there. They're told to go back to Jerusalem. They go back to Jerusalem. Verse uh, 16 Verse 15, and in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, okay, the number of the names together were about 120. He said, men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Judas, I'm sorry, that took Jesus, and he quotes Psalms 41. How did Peter know Psalms 41? The Holy Spirit told him 
You guys got to get Psalms 41 done. You got to get 12 of you. They only have 11. Judas is gone. We've got to have 12 so that we can move forward. But notice how Peter says it and how the Holy Ghost record, records it through the pen of Luke. Who spake? The Holy Ghost did by who? By the mouth of David. See? Matthew, or go to Acts 28. Acts 28. Here's Paul, our, our apostle. Acts 28, verse 25. At the end of the book of Acts. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed after that word. Had, uh, uh, Paul had spoken one word. Well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers. And then he quotes out uh, uh, Isaiah there. I, I'm sorry, Isaiah 6 took me aside. How, did, how, how does Paul, again, Luke writing it. So the Holy Ghost through Luke, through Paul's mouth, communicates, well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah, the prophet, unto our fathers, and off he goes. How, you see, the Holy Spirit is sp speaking specific words, He's revealing who God is and what God's doing today, and He's doing it through words, using human authors, and it's to be written down. Now, come back to John chapter 16, because there's something interesting here. There's a connection between the written word and the living word. Okay, now we're not going to spend, you know, the hour going through all the, the connections. But there's a connection here between the speaking, the spirit working and the speaking and the writings that they're all connected. John 16, 13. Now, in John 13, 14, 15, and 16, they're in the night before the Calvary, night before Calvary, and they're in the upper room. And the Lord is talking to the only 12 apostles are there. Judas is going to leave, so there'll be the eleven. Judas is going to leave to go betray and do what he's got to do to, to cause Calvary to happen. They're in the upper room. Uh, he, so the Lord is educating the leaders of the little flock, the nation of Israel. By the way, if you look back at chapter 14, chapter 14, and verse 26, just jumping in here. But the comforter which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. At this moment in the upper room, chapter 14, verse 26, the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son, preauthorizes the writing of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Holy Ghost is going to cause you guys to... Right to remember everything I said to you. How are you going to do that? We're going to write it down. You know why? Because one day Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are going to all be dead, and what are they, what's that little flock going to need? They're going to need the book to, to remember what the Lord said. Chapter 16, verse 12. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he... Now watch, the spirit of truth is come. He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, 
For whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Now, next hour, we're going to talk about Hebrews through Revelation, because there's the preauthorization of the writing of Hebrews through Revelation, the things to come. He's not going to speak of who? Himself. He's talking about who? Here's God the Father and His plan. Here's the participant, God the Son, and his, here's what's happening. Come over to chapter 17. In chapter 17 of John, you have the, the Lord's Prayer. Okay, it's not Matthew 6, that our Father who art in heaven. This is the Lord's Prayer. This is where the Lord is praying directly to the Father, verse 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So when the spirit of truth is speaking, what is he speaking? Truth. He's speaking the word of truth. You've got to make that connection. When the spirit, the Holy Spirit, is going to use words to teach, that's what Paul's getting at. The more reliable, the most reliable manner is when God, the Godhead, let's say it like that, speaks, causing it to be written down. Okay? That's more reliable than man and their own thing because man's fallible. God is not. We're coming his way. And when the spirit of truth speaks, then what he just spoke is what? truth. And that's the issue. That's the point. Come over to Ephesians chapter 3. So, you know, the al- here's my algebra lesson for today. A equals C. And A equals B. So B equals what? C. Hey, I made it. <laughs> Took me three years to pass algebra. Uh, I didn't understand. You know, when they started using letters instead of numbers, I gave up. I cried uncle. Ephesians 3. So if the spirit of truth is speaking God's word and it's truth, then the spirit and the word that he's speaking are equal to each other. And there's that connection. Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 2. Verse 1, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you, word. So there's going to be the deep things of God, the revelation given to Paul to give to who? You and I, you word, the body of Christ. That information is called the dispensation of the grace of God, verse 2. Now watch verse 3. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. And again, mystery, not in mysterious where you can't know it. You don't have the capability of knowing it. But mystery in that it was kept secret. It's hid in God. It was down in verse uh, 9 there in the middle of that. The word hath been hid in God. Hid and not known, unsearchable in the scriptures. But now made known. Whereby... As I wrote a four in a in few words, what did Paul do? God revealed some information to Paul. Paul then in his in his revealing it to you and I wrote it down. See, God has chosen to reveal himself. He's just doing it his way. And his way is, is I'm going to tell you and then you're going to write it down. Okay? Verse 3. I wrote it down. Verse 4. 
whereby when ye, what? Read. Isn't that interesting? How am I going to know? God's going to speak to me. No, he's not. He, you're gonna, he's going to speak to you when you, what? Read. See? Your heart says he's speaking to me. God says when you read, now I'm speaking to you. Whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge and the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets, by the Spirit. You're going to write it down. Paul, God get, reveals some information to Paul. Paul writes it down for all the body of Christ to know, to have uh, access to the, the glorious rich details of the dispensation of the grace of God that is vested in the finished work of His Son on the cross for all of eternity. Come over to, hold on to Ephesians. Come over to Colossians 1. Paul says it this way in the sister chapter. And he's, Paul wrote it down. Colossians 1 verse 25 Colossians 1, verse 25. Whereof I am made a minister, the Apostle Paul talking here, according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. That word fulfill, to be completed. Okay? I'm going to fill it up. There's more going on. I'm going to write it down. And when I write it down, it's going to fill up the Scriptures. And it's going to be completed. And when Paul puts his pen down at the end of 2 Timothy, we're going to get over there in just a minute, the Scripture, the script is done. It is completed. There's no more to be added to it. All of the revealing of God is done. But again, now what does human viewpoint say? Oh, no, you got to see it, hear it. 1 Corinthians 2, go back to Ephesians 3, okay? You got to walk through it. No. Paul says that's not how God revealed himself or is revealing himself. How's he doing it? He's over here. He's speaking some words, causing those words to be written down. Ephesians 3. Verse 3, how that by revelation he made, by the way, the revelation, the revealing of God is done. It is completed. With the completed canon of Scripture, it is finished. It's done. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. By the way, if it's not done and, we, and people are still getting information, then we have to write it down. And what do we have to trust? That they are reliable. And they're not. Because they're fallible humanity. They're sinners. Most people that I have ever read about, hey, I heard this, I got that, has an agenda somewhere. You know what God the Father's agenda is? The promotion of His Son. Ephesians 1.10. <laughs> That's His agenda. That is our agenda as well. You're going to write it down. Verse 4, it's going to be written down, whereby when ye read... Ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets. How? 
by the Spirit. God the Holy Spirit is the agent through which God makes known, not just to Paul, but to all of the body, what's written down. So again, how do we know what Paul said? How do we know what John says? How do we know what the Lord says? How do we know what David says and Isaiah? and all? It's been what? Written down. Come over to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. And that's what Paul's getting at with the Corinthians. All this is in 1 Corinthians 2.13, the first part of the verse. He's telling the Corinthians, you guys are searching for, for human wisdom. You guys are searching for truth for answers and for meaning and all that. And you're doing it over here in human wisdom. And that's not where God is. God is over here in his word working in you. He's over here in what he's revealed. He's not over there in religion. He's not over there in theology and philosophy. And He's over here in his word. It's the simple simplicity that's in Christ. Not all this convoluted mess. It's a simplistic thing, see. Galatians 3. Look at verse 8. And the Scripture. Isn't that interesting? What did the Scripture do? Foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, And these shall all the nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Look at what the scriptures did. The scriptures equal to God. They foresee. They, they could look ahead. They preached. There's some speaking happening. Verse 22. 3.22. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. The Scripture made a conclusion. You see, this isn't just an arbitrary words on a piece of paper. This is a living issue. And when Paul talks about the Holy Spirit and he's going to work in these words, there's something deeper here than just the Lord inspired God breathing the Word. These words have life in them and truth in them. So much so that the Scripture foreseeing what God was going to do with the heathen. So what did Scripture know? Scripture knew the hidden issues, didn't he? He knew what he was going to do with Paul. He knew it was kept secret before the world began and since the world began. You see, the Scripture's on board. The script, the writings, here it is. Come over to 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3. You see, it's not some kind of arcane, you, you can't touch it, it's spooky. No, man, you get in there. My book is so, I'm actually having to move out of this one. I've worn it out so much. And I'm moving into one very similar to it, except the paper is real thin, and I'm not too happy about that. But you just, it's a book, it's a tool. But what is, the words on the page is the issue. 2 Timothy 3. Again, got to think about this. The last epistle written by Paul starts, verse 15, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Notice how Paul, talking to Timothy, says to him about the holy scripture, the holy script. 
the holy writings. Now, the salvation in the passage isn't justification unto eternal life, being saved from sin, going to heaven. The salvation in the passage is from the latter days, the perilous times, back up in verse 1. Okay? So whatever scripture that Timothy had as a child, it did what? It equipped him to have a place and a point of rescue and refuge from turmoil and tribulation. Okay? So there's a lot of discussion of what he had and blah, 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 and you can do that till the cows come home. But scripture, by the way, did Timothy have original or copy? He had a copy. Long-time copies, see. But those copies are called what? Holy Scripture. Verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Again, inspired, God-breathed. But there's more to it than just God speaking it. The words also contain life in them. You remember in Genesis 1 when God breathed into man the breath of life and man became a living soul? His breath. Come over to John 6. We're going to run over a little bit and I apologize, but I want to get this done so that next week we can move on into the rest of the chapter. John 6, verse 63. You have to make the inspiration. God breathed. God spoke them. He breathed the words. The words are written down the, on the page. The preservation, the preserving of what was spoken. spoken. John 6, 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Clear claim of scripture is what? Life. Hebrews 4.12, we read it a minute ago. Powerful. The Word of God is what? Quick, alive, life. By the way, quick also and fast. It works fast. But it's what? It's alive. Come over to Matthew 22. Matthew 22 and watch the Lord Jesus Christ teach you script inspiration and preservation in just a couple verses. So the words that the Holy Spirit, what Paul's getting at is the Holy Spirit is going to use specific words and those words contain life in them and those words contain truth in them and how you're going to come to know God and know who He is and what He's doing today is by coming to those words that the Holy Spirit has given. And in those is life. In those is liberty. In those is everything you need. You'll never get there coming in 2.9 the way man comes. But if you try, you're just going to get frustrated and mad because it ain't going to work. Well, it worked today. No, it didn't work. It just thought you just think it worked. It doesn't work. Boom. Look at Matthew 22, verse 29. Jesus answered and said unto them, and the them here is the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Actually, it's the Sadducees here. Ye do err not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. <laughs> That's his great theme to the leaders, to the religious leaders. Ye do err not knowing the Scriptures. Now watch verse 31. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have ye not read 
So there's preservation. That which was spoken unto you by God, there's inspiration. Saying, I am the God of Abraham, and then he quotes Exodus chapter 3, verse 6. God the Son just said, have ye not read Exodus 3, 6? That's what God spoke to you, and you got your own book over there. You can go look it up right there on the, on the table. So inspiration and preservation in one verse preached by the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you come back to 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 13, where Paul gets into the, the role and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, which, were, which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teach. We don't function and we don't work, we don't operate in, in man's wisdom, the avenues of it, the philosophies of it, but rather which the Holy Ghost teacheth. The whole, God inspired some specific words, caused them to be written down on paper, and he continues to call that copy Scripture, and it's in a living book. And that is more reliable of coming to know God and know Him and what He's doing and His Word because it was written down and preserved by Him. He just used a human agent to do it. Okay? Now, the rest of the chapter, Paul's going to hammer that home because the natural man doesn't get that, argues against it. The spiritual man says, yep, that's where the mind of God is. That's where the mind of Christ is, and I'm right there with it. And we'll look at all that the next week or two, okay? Okay, thank you for your patience. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word that we have it, we can study it, we can get into it, and we can look at it, and we can think about how you have revealed yourself and make sure that we're coming to you your way and not our own so that we can have the liberty and have the freedom and have the understanding and the knowledge and the prudence that you would have for us to have and that we would develop in our thinking, your thinking. In your name we pray, amen.